I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Nebraska Preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. That's right. You heard the big boy, guy. It's Nebraska Preps post game. Not even really post game. It's more like post... <laughs> Days. <laughs> or maybe it should be more like Post Malone, because congratulations to us for getting here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this is what sands all, yeah, sands all <laughs> the ink. Like, congratulations for getting here with uh, the weather not really cooperating. Yeah, well, so we knew uh, Monday wasn't going to happen. We, no. we canceled that early. No. Tuesday, we were going to try to do it, and then I couldn't get out of my parking lot. Which is uh, interesting. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself... Did they really just box you in? Pretty much. They uh, plowed the lot and then came through with snowblowers, cleaned up some other stuff, and put the snow right back in the middle of the, the lot. Yeah. And they never came back. I was one of those guys. I work off a of Dodge, and you can turn left into businesses from Dodge. There was no turning left. <laughs> they, because basically the snow was pushed to the middle, so it yeah. was like a natural snowbound median. <laughs> so I was like, huh, can I gun it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Turned right, got off on 50th, then went back north across the four-way intersection. I'm like, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah, that studio's not easy to get to coming from no, uh, right? the west. Yeah. It's like you have to intentionally be ready to go there. Otherwise, and well, it helps when you get there, too, at 520 because yeah. it's very limited traffic. But, man, <laughs> uh, it's like flip a coin. Get there the best way you can. So, anyway, the Nebraska Pope's press, preps post-game and post-Malone because – of course, congratulations to us for being here. Um, so how you been, man? It's uh, we, the With the rescheduled games, we've had two days' worth of rescheduled games now. Are we happy about that or not so much? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how um, the schedules play out. Now we've got the uh, couple conference tournaments pushed back uh, starting today um, that we're supposed to start on Monday. Um, so we'll see kind of how that runs up uh, against kind of the regular schedule. How I, I haven't looked ahead to see where teams are planning to be otherwise, but so now you got the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of just playing out, trying to get it in at this point. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have any other weather that causes other delays. Um, but yeah, we'll see kind of how they've, we've already got uh, a few games playing today, which is a rarity. You don't normally get varsity games on a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so just got to, at this point, you got to fit them in wherever, uh, wherever you can to get these games played. Yeah. Let me ask you real quick before we get into the, uh, to the MC tournament that you're, that you're talking about. Would you, would you rather be a team that, uh, is a little younger, has fresh legs, they could play three games in five days, or would you kind of want to be one of those veteran teams 
knowing you could handle the rigor, but may have a little more wear and tear because, listen, I know they're in high school, but there are varying degrees of, of recuperating and, and numbers. Like kind of how do you see who, who, who would have an advantage in your opinion? Well, and with missing out on the practice days as well, not just the games, I think you kind of side with the more experience there because um, coaches aren't, weren't able to be hands-on in person with, with their teams, kind of run through scattering reports and get them ready uh, for the potential multiple games that they're going to see. Um, so I think, uh, especially at these conference tournaments where everybody knows each other, the, the teams with more experienced players that have played these other teams year in and year out, um, I think are a little bit more prepared. Uh, and uh, unless, unless you, you got some teams that are kind of playing guys that are, have guys that are kind of playing hurt and trying to gut it through, uh, get through that stuff, then I, I think uh, you just side with the experience there and th- their legs should be fine. Uh, of the EMC tourney, is there anybody that you're really interested in seeing trying to get a, a little bit of a of a feel for what's going on? Yeah, the, the semis for that, if the seedings hold, could be pretty darn good. You got Norris um, against the winner of Bennington Blair, and we just saw Norris go to Bennington. It was a tight game yeah. through three and a half quarters or so, and then Norris kind of pulled away. Um, so that could be interesting. It's uh, a rematch within one week, less than a week of um, the previous uh, game. And I think that pushed Norris to eight and two, right, or eight and one. Um, but that's a team we talked about last week where you're like, gosh, their length and athleticism is a little bit different. We were yeah. trying to figure out how we unbunched two through six in Class B. We felt Elkhorn Mount Michael was the clear number one. They have a little bit of their health issues. Yeah. That could maybe change that dynamics. Was there anything that happened last week that changes your mind on what we tentatively talked about with the bulk of that two through six ranking in Class B? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it's all kind of the same thing where uh, Norris is looking pretty strong with uh, Trey DeVoe kind of leading the way there. Brayson Mueller's kind of been a breakout player in Class B this year for them. Uh, um, uh, CJ Hood, Nebraska baseball committee, yeah. who's... Terrific keep, keep, multi-sport keep, keeps it keeps it in family. So they, they they've got they've got some good players, some length, some athleticism there. So that that'll be tough for a lot of teams to match up with. So I think they're definitely kind of in that that, that top tier um, in B. But as we've seen, it's kind of there is no clear cut, especially with the, the injury issues you you mentioned with Mount Michael now. And I, I saw them uh, take down Ron Colley fairly easily. I saw the, him against Elkhorn yeah. and the Grudger. Uh, fairly easily in the River Cities Conference final. I think Ron Colley gave everything they had in the semis to knock off Scott and just didn't really have much left for the final. Uh, but even playing without their leading scorer and Caleb Brink, Mount Michael kind of took care of business there. The, the, uh, that experienced backcourt stepped up and outscored Ron Colley by themselves, I, Iron Lopez, uh, Brad Bennett, and Joe Schoonard. So um, th- they still got plenty of talent. We'll, we'll see kind of. Um, yeah, their what, depth takes a yeah. huge hit, especially along that front line. Uh, so we'll see how they can adjust because they're not a a big basketball yeah. team to begin with. Yeah, he doesn't go too deep. That's kind of uh, you get what two guys that typically play off the bench, two three guys, um, and now one of them Kuhn Kuhn sliding into the, the starting lineup uh, in place of Brink um, uh, on on Saturday. Um, he did a good job defensively, but doesn't doesn't bring the same things that Brink does because Brink's one of the best players in Class B. <laughs> So from an upside standpoint, because I think we kind of know what we're going to get with Platteview. I actually, and I also think we kind of know what we're going to get with Norris. So let's talk room to grow in that next tier that's kind of bunched up. 
who do you feel still has a lot left in the tank that maybe we haven't seen kind of the full gamut? So w- one team that I'm starting to uh, get more and more impressed by is Waverly. I got to see them for the first time uh, last week at Wahoo. Came uh, came back from down uh, like 15 points. Savvy bunch. Yeah. And, Savvy bunch. And came back from in the what uh, midway through the third quarter down 15 against the t- the, that 1-3-1 zone, making up that many points in, in that amount of time against the zone, especially one as uh, long and uh, active as Wahoo's. That's not easy. And they made some big plays down the stretch. Um, I think Wahoo just kind of ran out of gas and Waverly just didn't stop, just kept going. There was one, I think they had like four, five offensive uh, rebounds on one possession with some missed free throws and uh, ended yeah, up late, a late later in that game, yeah. four point possession there um, that that ended up being huge. Um, so and then they followed that up by going to Platteview and, and winning that game, pulling out a tight one there. Um, so now they're the the two seed in the EMC, and if Elkhorn takes down Elkhorn North, that'll be a two three matchup there, and that'll be a really good uh, game as well to kind of establish all right who. Uh, kind of that 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 next person, that next team in that top group there with the Mount Michaels and Norris, um, couple and, others. And your opinion, especially as experienced as they are, is Elkhorn the team that you could probably learn the most about in terms of changing the pecking order? Are you waiting for them to confirm what we already thought about them coming in? Because that's kind of how I look at that Elkhorn bunch. Yeah, because I think I know yeah. what I'm getting. Yeah, they've had some interesting uh, results recently, and I haven't seen them. Uh, since earlier in the season, so um, we'll see if uh, heck. I think Thursday that that could be a uh, one of the places I go now. That would what, be in the quarters, was, right? Uh, that would be in the semis. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah Thursday, Thursday, Thursday semis. I, I keep uh, forgetting it's not. It's, we're not <laughs> on a normal push, day. We're yeah. Wednesday, and it got pushed back. Yeah, so um, that that could be, be where I end up going now. At this point, who knows? On Thursday, I have no idea what games are being played when anymore. Uh, but uh, th- that I think we could learn. Like, all right, is. Is Elkhorn still kind of what we thought they were? Um, cause again, they've couple couple losses, couple of close results, some good wins by Waverly. You kind of felt like it was Elkhorn up here in this group, and then Waverly was in that next tier, and now they they've earned the higher seed, and they'll be the the top the, the home team in that game. So, um, are, are you a, to learn there. are you a big believer in winning cultures transcending sports? Now, both the teams we're talking about have a couple of football guys, but do you? but have had a lot of success on the gridiron. Do you think the winning culture carries over across sports as we look at a team like Scott or Norris or Elkhorn? I, th- I think it can, um, and especially with some of those key players being the guys that drive the success in one sport coming over and being a big part of it in the other. Like Cole Murray, he was uh, one of the best players on the floor in that Wahoo game. He had 25, uh, hit some threes to really kind of take advantage of that zone, uh, made some big steals, some assists. Uh, he had a huge game, and he's kind of the guy that yeah, took over at quarterback. Yeah, and spurred, been, been, been there, done yeah, that, right? Spurred he's, that football he's run. He's so. been there, done that kind of guy. So, yeah, if, as long as you've got the the kind of coaching to allow that stuff to kind of shine through, you got and you got a good coach over there with Ryan Reeder, um, it, it does pay to have those guys that have had success in other sports to come in and kind of be one of your leaders. Now, let me ask it the other way, because we both are uh, big fans of a guy like Connor Milliken. Is – is Platteview too predictable, in your opinion, to be able to change your mind? Or would you you think, hey, listen, it's going to take a superhuman effort and some scoring prowess from Milliken and try to get by with a little help from his friends? Like, how do you kind of view Platteview? Yeah, so Tyler Riley's a senior, but two of their other three leading scorers are sophomores. sophomores. So they, they've got some time here to kind of keep building up. It's hard. 
you don't necessarily feel great about young teams going into the, the stretch run and the postseason and all that. Um, but, I mean, that is a pretty good one-two punch with uh, Milliken and Riley as well. And again, he's a senior, so this is kind of his last run at it. Um, so I, you kind of worry a little bit about their depth and being able to make it all the way to the postseason and um, still being strong, having good legs and all that. Um, and again, anytime you rely on two, three players for the majority of your scoring, uh, you run into the wrong matchup with the team that really has great uh, defenders that match up well with your best players. That, that could be tough. Um, but I, I've been really impressed with Plaview. I did not expect them to be yeah. in as, that as group this I. year. I, I, they had a couple of guys. Like, I knew they were going to be an interesting team with Milliken and Riley. Um, I didn't know what they had coming back beyond that. Might be one of Coach Brodsky's and that staff. Might be one of his better jobs. Oh, yeah. And especially the development for Milliken. Like, he put up some big numbers last year, but it's an every-game thing. And that's he's, been, he's been relatively efficient. And that's, and that's happening with everybody know, knowing that, all right, Milken is going to take half their shots. He's going to score a bunch of their points and create a bunch of their opportunities. Teams are game planning to stop him, and he's still putting up these numbers game in and game out. All right, so we'll jump over to A here in a second. But for B, are we on the same page where you you will take experience and kind of savvy versus potential and growth as the season progresses? Yeah, especially – this this year, um, just kind of with the makeup of a lot of those teams in that group and the fact that there aren't any teams that are so beyond uh, talented uh, or beyond the others in terms of talent. It's a lot of really solid, experienced groups. So that's kind of what you're going to fall back on, I think, once we get to, to March. Um, so let me jump over to A because I think it's uh, it's similar, right? You have, you have young talent. That would be... Uh, that would be a West Side. That would be a Lincoln Southwest. That would be uh, who else in that kind of bunch? Even Central is more experienced, right? With Davis and Marshall and Germany and Denham Johnson. Those are older guys. Bellevue very mature. Although Bellevue West has some key cogs that has some youth, but they're experienced, yeah. so they're a little tricky because if they're going to ultimately defend the title and 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 take the next two out of potentially three from Miller North, they can't do it with just Frankie Fiddler and Chucky Hepburn. It's going to have to be, in my opinion, an underclassman. So let me ask you the question again. Are you taking the savvy, been there, done that experience, or are you going to take a little youthful exuberance to complement some savvy experience? Yeah, that's a tough one. That that's uh, we get round two uh, coming up this coming week on up. Friday. Uh, this we'll get be to we'll get one. to it. Uh, but that's a tough one. It, I I think the like you mentioned, a lot of that youth is experienced. So because of um, what they went through last year and Josiah Dotzler making some of the biggest plays of the game in that state title game. Um, that's a kid as a freshman growing up before our eyes in the state tournament after kind of. He had some moments throughout the season, but he was kind of just, just another guy there mm-hmm. stepping up in that moment, hit, hitting those huge shots, and he's carried that over this season where he's been pretty darn good uh, most of the year, shooting the ball at a really high rate, and you've got some of those bench guys kind of coming along. So, um, And then Stuvie hit a couple shots last game. Evan Inselman's been solid this year, who's not necessarily an underclassman. He's a junior, so he's been around a couple years, but he didn't play a ton last year. Um, and now he's kind of emerged as their sixth man, uh, and he's been solid there for everything he's doing for them. So, 
You know, it, it's interesting because you you look at a team like Miller North, you can you can kind of pencil in what's going to happen. I think you know what you're getting from Saint. I think you know what you're getting from Hunter. Now he's capable of exploding, but I think generally speaking, the baseline is is pretty consistent. It's interesting because when you look at the next biggest threat, it, it's Bellevue West. I'm not as sure their three. I'm not so as sure of their three, four, and five fifth options as I am of Millard North. But I still think Bellevue West has the potential to be a better team. Millard North has the better players. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, it does. And just the way that that, that Bellevue West team plays and the way that Chucky Hepburn's been playing, um, where he has kind of morphed into the uh, the total playmaker. He's getting everybody involved. Whereas with, with Millard North, um, uh, Jane Johnson's a solid point guard. He makes the right plays. Um, St. Thomas is a really good passer. He can create for others as well. But a lot of time it's Hunter, go get yours. St. All right, you, you post up here, go get a bucket. It's kind of a lot of more individual efforts. And then the big guys go, go get it on the offensive glass or roll to the rim and it'll catch you on a lob. Um, whereas Bellevue West with the way Chucky's Hepper, Hep, Chucky Hepburn is playing right now, they're keeping everybody involved on every possession. You never know who's going to score. He'll get uh, you. You lose anybody, any of the other four. He's going to find him. And he's going to make you pay. So I, I, I kind of see what you're talking about there in terms of the way that they're playing right now, um, especially now that they're kind of back to to full strength with everybody back in that lineup. Yeah, it was asked of, of me last week what I thought, what I could foresee happening. I begrudgingly gave the advantage to Millard North, but primarily because Bellevue West would have to win two in a row, yeah. right? I mean, Millard North had already had one in the can from. Metros, I didn't love it, but I think to, for them to lose two straight to the same team, that's just a little more daunting than to be able to split, especially if they don't get this one, right? Because then what could potentially happen at State, because I still think they'll be on opposite halves of the ledger, yeah. that gets interesting in a hurry. Yeah, so it, <laughs> we're going to learn a lot here about Bellevue West. Are they really on that the same tier as Millard North? If if this is another, even if they don't win, if it's another close game, right down, somebody somebody makes a play to win it at the end, um, then that'll firmly establish. Versus last time, they they both threw their best shot at each other. Uh, we saw what they both had went down the wire. Now both both schools, both coaching staffs, they've got that tape. They they, they saw what matchups went each way. And now you know they're going to come back and make some adjustments. So let's see here, with those adjustments, which team's talent, which team's uh, ability can shine through and um, can, can make the adjustments better and hopefully get an advantage over what they saw from last game. I think, I think, I've, I think I've seen enough now to, to have a little conviction for 3-4-5, right? Like, I th- and as I say, I think. <laughs> I think I would take prep then Pius, then Central. Thoughts? Yeah, that, that's definitely the next three. Um, In I, some I, order. Yeah, yeah, and I think you do take prep at three at this point. Um, Pius versus Central. That's, that's a really an interesting, interesting one. Because I, um, I, I saw Pius against Bellevue West. I saw Central against Millard North. Um, they, Who do you feel like you know more about? 
definitely central, um, especially because I've seen a lot more of those guys just through the summer ball, through the years. I know all those guys that, have been, that are playing. For see, them. I see. I think I yeah. feel like I could peg how Pius is going to play better than I can central. I see. I think Pius. They, I think they've got more volatility in terms of they, they've got some guys that ca- can make some plays, but they can also um, kind of disappear, struggle at times. They, yeah, because we, we're yeah. thinking that third quarter against Bellevue West, yeah. right? I think they panicked a little bit, feeling like they had to keep up. Yeah. So in a couple of those guys that I'm, uh, I think I feel uh, a little bit more confident about what I'm going to get from a couple of those central guys than I do a couple of those pious guys because some of those guys. Um, they're they're newer to the the varsity, the main rotation. They're new starters. Um, you've got the, the 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 Hoiberg twins back from last year that were a big part of what they did, and then Sam Hostrider played off the bench. Uh, but uh, guys um, like Brady Christensen and, and Jack Hostrider, like those guys, are kind of newer to playing big roles at the varsity level. Um, so I'm still kind of learning about what those guys are going to give them every game. And a name you didn't say, but is interesting because he's kind of the unicorn of all the teams that we talked about because he's more of a traditional big. Dabrakow, right? You gain a little on offense, but defensively, a lot of teams put him in two-man games yeah. and they pull him away from the basket. But he also makes... Pius pretty interesting because of his potential offensive efficiency. And, and that's where Coach Spitschka makes his money there is you got to figure out the best way to use him where you get the uh, the advantage out of there without giving up as much depending on what the other team's rolling out there, what, what scheme. Kind of like how Seton Hall has yeah. to, what they they have to figure out what they have to do with Mama Cashavili, right? Yep. Like Exactly. He, so. he helps you offensively, but how much, I mean, Creighton could take advantage of him <laughs> seemingly wins tonight. Uh, just to see, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's always interesting, that cat-mouse matchup. But I feel like their consistency, and they were impressive going to Carney winning the way yeah. that they did. That is not an easy place to play. And 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 I think Coach Moronic does oh, a fantastic yeah. job. Big fan. You know, yeah. I mean, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. And, and that, that was an impress. That got my attention. Yeah. Because I wanted, I wanted to – I wanted some – confirmation bias yeah. for lack of a better term because I think Pius is pretty good and interesting game coming up tonight that was pushed back uh, Scott and Pius yeah and Scott coming I don't off know that, if, uh, yeah. Scott has enough offensive versatility that's exactly it Scott coming off that loss to that kind of upset loss to Ron Colley after smacking them by 40 the, the previous game um, you know that they're going to be fired up coming out of this game uh, we'll see kind of what ways they can push Pius because they do they've got a pretty tough one-two combo there with Charlie Fletcher and Luke Scars, um, yeah. and they're gonna he, he, Scars strong enough to kind of challenge those Scar guys. Scar carrying on the family tradition, yeah. <laughs> um, and so th- they've got a little, they've got some firepower there. Um, Pius, I think, definitely favored in that game, and they sh- they've they've just got more because Scott is still kind of figuring out the the rest of the rotation. But that, that's that's an interesting, especially kind of a midweek here that got pushed that I think kind of floated under the radar that we can learn a little bit more about where Scott is at this point. Um, I think as part of that B mix that we were talking about earlier. So it's a, it's like you're scrolling through and we're looking at stats and we're going to games and lo and behold, we've talked about this eight nine ten, you know West Side and Papillion and all of a sudden Papillion La Vista South is yeah. struggling a little bit, but who reemerges back in the top ten sitting snug at ten and three? Millard West <laughs> is interesting. I I feel like. We got to wait, and, and we'll, we'll talk to Coach on Friday, 
I feel like we kind of got away from them for a second, but now all of a sudden they found a way to pull me back in with a couple of good wins. Yeah, and again, that's uh, the way the schedule works out. Um, we, we've seen some teams kind of hidden, uh, kind of a bit of a slide here. You mentioned Papio South, who uh, lost that that rivalry game to Papio this last first week. time in what four years? Some, I think Papio South had won three straight. Uh, yeah, so that uh, and that was it was a close game, and then. Papio just hit him with a run down the stretch and pulled away. Um, what has happened to Denaire? I, I don't know. It's it's they're having a tough time getting him going, and it it might be kind of going back to some of the same things we talked about, where teams know he's their main guy, and without kind of the on ball creation, uh, like Daniel Brocale has been having to. Hey, there was a stretch a against of, yeah. Papillion where uh, he was on fire and kind of in a strange fashion. He goes to the bench. And then didn't get it back. I, I, I that was that was odd. I think he scored like eight or ten of their first quarter points yeah. by himself. And um, I know he had like a twenty-seven point game last week as well. Um, they they came back and survived against Gretna. Uh, uh, that was a close one. So um, that yeah, he's kind of taken more of the on-ball creation uh, over, but that's um, still kind of you need a little bit more there. And so I think team, it, it's tough for Papio South to put Denaire in in positions to really use his strengths well at this point. So how, so kind of how are you capping Millard West at this point? Kind of still, I don't even think they're looking really for a signature win, but I do think they're looking for validation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, although I, I think at this point they've, they have established themselves as that back end of the top 10. Um, they haven't quite struggled as much as some of the other teams that we were maybe higher on coming into the season. Um, So they've kind of established themselves as they're going to be that tough out every night. They're going to be in that mix that that second half of that top 10. They're, uh, they're going to have a chance to to earn a good seed going into districts and all that. So I think that that signature win would be kind of the next step for them. Cause I think we know where they are. Can they be more than that? That's what we don't know at this point. Yeah, they've got two coming up. they got Miller South on Friday, and I think they have Lincoln East. And it's weird. You kind of almost scratch your head. You want to give Omaha North some credit for the win. That was their last loss because since then they've beaten Grand Island, uh, Gretna, and Burke. Now, I know you're not thinking, okay, wow, but you held Burke to – they scored in the 40s. Grand Island had 26. they they're capable of making you look really bad offensively and the the two games this week those are the they they take care of business in those games that's how they stay in there you don't have a slip up against um uh, that that Omaha North from a couple weeks ago that's kind of if they can avoid any more of those they'll they'll position themselves really well which is which is interesting because their only other two losses are to the number 2 and number yeah. 2 three teams in the state Bellevue West and Creighton Prep yep so uh, that that's kind of we'll talk to Coach yeah, Morrissey. He, he's going to be interesting, right? Like because he's never too high, he's never too yeah. low. He's going to kind of shoot you straight and weird. That's pretty much other team plays. Uh, uh, should shout out Ryan Larson here setting a school record: eight uh, three points, eight of ten, thirty three points. Uh, I saw that kid play a lot this summer. He can really catch fire, and I think that'll be the difference for them if they can get him going uh, as we head into the last stretch of the season here. They're a little bit different team offense. We know what they can do defensively in controlling the pace. If he's on, in addition to Dom Hum and uh, Evan Meyersick working inside and James Conway doing what he does, 
then they're a little bit more dangerous to the team because you have that little bit more explosive offensive ability with a guy like that. Yeah, it's subtle, but their physicality along the front line takes a toll on teams, I think. I mean, they really made it ugly for Prep earlier in the season, and Prep is long along that front line, but they made it uncomfortable for Jungers. They made it uncomfortable for Rollins. I mean, you're keeping Prep to the low 40s in that one, and it's like, well, how'd that happen? Well, I mean, they have body types. They're one of the few teams that has body types that, that can kind of match that front line. Yeah, and they, they got a lot of lot of football kids on that team. And, you, again, a guy like Conway that he's undersized as a big, but he knows how to get it done. He knows how to be physical and kind of play his game. Yeah, an unbelievable football yeah, player. Yes, like he, very much so. <laughs> I'm pretty much seeing his praises. So, so let's close with this. Uh, we'll preview it. Millard North, Bellevue West. Bellevue West should be highly, highly motivated. I think it's weird. Both teams felt like they let it get to where it got in terms of double overtime. I don't know who shares more culpability, <laughs> yeah. but both teams were not happy with periods of how they played down the stretch. How do you look at it? Well, I don't think we're going to get 48 points out of St. Thomas in this round. Although, so. although big game. Don't count him no, out. That, <laughs> very, very true. I don't think he goes 7-13 again, but I, it would not shock me if he did. Yeah. Uh, so in that, even if even if he goes for twenty five thirty, um, I I think Bellevue West likes. I think they like a lot of what they got in that game, um, and it was just Miller North in the end. Talent went out that they just couldn't do anything with Saint and uh, a couple of those guys down the stretch. Um, so I, man, I unfortunately I will not be able to get to watch this one live hopefully the the live stream will go on YouTube I can go back and and watch it or something because I've got Husker volleyball duties this weekend but yeah, not a bad team yeah. to be covering though yeah no that's uh, I'm not I'm never going to complain about that no, and there won't be any dull ones in the Big Ten that schedule is tough glad to have it back but man Bellevue West go from that on Friday to playing Creighton prep they, on they had I think that's the team in the top 10 that has the most to gain they, they can send a message, maybe not clear-cut because they will have split with Miller North, yeah. but they can send a message that um, we are the defending state champs. On the other hand, Prep's got a chance to kind of, if they can take advantage of that second of a back-to-back, because obviously Prep's going to be, or the Prep for Bellevue West, they got to focus on Miller North first. So you're going to have a quick turnaround going from Friday to Saturday. You know they're going to get beat down in that game, so both mentally and physically. That's going to be a tough turnaround for Bellevue West. So if Prep can kind of take advantage to get to steal a win there, now suddenly it's not a one-two and then it's a three-four-five. It's a one-two-three, uh, and Prep kind of yeah, takes their claim. And, and you're right, good call. Prep has a ton to gain too because they showed me something and how they uh, crushed Westside last Friday. Their guards got downhill. If you think Prep is just a team that sits around behind the arc and shoots threes with the occasional dump downs to Rollins, that wasn't it. O'Malley found ways to get to the basket. I think Buckley started to really put it on the floor uh, and show some of his versatility. Justin City going at some smaller guards. You could tell it was a conscious effort to play matchups. They really went at some guys that they felt like they had a better advantage of physically and got downhill against Westside. And that's what makes prep good. You got five guys along that lineup. Anybody can kind of take advantage of the matchup that they're given. Yeah, which is interesting, right? That's a really good point because at no point did any one guy take over that game. It was kind of systemic. Westside couldn't take care of the ball, and whoever had the matchup was the guy that scored in spurts. For stretches, it was City. 
uh, for stretches. It was Buckley, who had a tough 11. Um, then O'Malley, who, if anybody, if anybody can get under the skin of the rest of the players in the Metro, it's got to be him. Yeah, he's up there. <laughs> I, there's just no love lost. I mean, he just, the, the way that he can work his opponents into a frenzy, it, I, and then he's also a pretty pretty good scorer as well. On top of that, so yeah. it's 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 nice bringing that off your bench. <laughs> yeah, he he went on a personal six zero run the other yeah. night, and 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 he let he can do that. He let Westside know about it. A fantastic recap. Before, Go ahead. Yeah, before we close out, just uh, John Mitchell. Um, we've mentioned before um, the sophomore Creighton, fifty three points last week. He he outscored Elkhorn Valley by himself fifty three to forty eight. That's this, I think, second time in the last couple of weeks he might have outscored the other team by himself. He, he's putting up some monster numbers this year, and obviously, um, kind of that level. Um, I've I seen him play in person. I, I think um, he definitely wouldn't be doing this in the Metro, but at the same time, 40, 43, 47, Listen, he, 53. He, he can only control who he plays against. <laughs> he's putting points up in a hurry you're not getting this anywhere else make sure you stay tuned join us next week uh it's nebraska preps post game that's the man the myth the legend jacob padilla i'm the guy they call odb damon benning we'll be back next week we'll have plenty of quality games to recap i think mother nature will slow her roll back next week nebraska preps post game a huda media production